Hey everyone! Welcome to Redefining ABCD. Today's episode will be a Larger Than Us episode, and in this segment we will talk about topics that are deemed controversial or stigmatized in the South Asian community. Our goal for Larger Than Us is to share many sides and voices to these topics. Hey everyone, welcome back. Today we will be talking about the struggles we have in terms of breaking from our insecurities and identifying what it means to have self-worth. This is a follow-up episode of the season one episode Sneha and I did by addressing the question, am I enough? And it's a topic in which many of us have our personal battle with the idea of self-worth and loving ourselves. A lot of times the social culture of South Asia, the South Asian community or a collectivist culture plays a big role in this. So just to start us off, uh, the first question is, what do you think are major factors that lead people to have the lack of confidence in themselves? Um, I think for, for me, it's more um, just the fear of getting hurt. I think just mm-hmm. con- lack of confidence in general can be pointed to the fact of just like fear. Um, and for me specifically, it's like the fear of getting hurt. So, you know, I'm very sensitized and conditioned to really care what people think of me. And I think that's compounded, you know, especially when I'm in a position where I have to like prove myself or prove my self-worth to inner circle friends or people that I really look up to, you know, or or I want to be like them. And if I'm in a position like that, that's where my lack of confidence really shows because I don't, I almost want to like make sure that everyone knows that I don't know what I'm doing so that inevitably when I fail, I will look like I, I tried my hardest. Which is not great because from an outside perspective, that just looks like I have a lack of confidence. And I, I do to some extent, but it's like this, it's this vicious cycle of just fear of getting hurt. So you're, I don't know. I don't know if you had any thoughts on that. No, I like some of the things that you said, I kind of agree with like the people pleasing type, type of attitude. I feel like I was conditioned kind of growing up to like always having to please someone, whether it be a teacher, a per, like a, like a role model or like an auntie, an uncle. And, like, that kind of, like, I guess over time made it, like, it lost, got me lost of the attitude just because, like, I had to please so many people. I felt like that, like, my metrics for, like, confidence and things that um, I deemed that were, like, correct or right were all, like, external judgments. And not everybody has the right heart for you, right? Like, not everybody has the best intentions in mind. So, like, that kind of made me feel like I was, like, it kind of led to really bad things, I feel like, and I kind of only realized it just now, like kind of being like easily pushed around, being that like super nice person that says yes to everyone, or like being manipulated. So I think those types of experiences in like with the mix of having to people please everyone, I felt like made me have like a lot of doubt in myself, just because I took a lot of people's word, um, not with a grain of salt, but like with a lot of like thought, even though like some people might not have deserved that thought, if that makes sense. Um, so I guess that was one thing just kind of growing up that I realized, like, being, like, a people pleaser makes you feel like you can get easily pushed around or manipulated, and you just, like, not everybody knows what they're doing, so it's, like, like, it's, like, their self-esteem, like, their low self-esteem can also affect you in a way, so it's, like, that kind of, that's kind of the weird conundrum that has affected, I guess, me, and that's kind of, like, some of the, one of the major factors kind of growing up that I felt, like, stems from my lack of confidence because I was I had really low self-esteem growing up um and I guess I didn't realize what it was until like 
I started to gain a little bit of confidence in myself and I pulled myself out of that type of situation. Yeah, I it's difficult because like I think when um when I was younger, I think I was just taught to like like really look f- like my reward for doing things was like mm-hmm. external. It was like people appreciating me or people not appreciating me. And that really dictated like my self-worth and like what I thought about myself. And to some extent, I'm not going to lie, it's still a thing. It's still a pretty big impediment that I have to like really like um, overcome still um, or in the process of overcoming just because I, I'm so used to like having that reward be external or someone else praising mm-hmm. me. And it's really, and, and I think I'm at a point now where I, to develop that confidence back, I have to start, I have to start comparing myself to myself to instead of like, or having rewards set by myself instead of other people. Like, so I'm not always looking for that appreciation um, and always feeling like I'm losing um, and not having as many wins. Mm-hmm. Like, I think, I think, I think I just, I think it, confidence really does come from just having a set of wins. And if you don't put yourself in positions where you're allowed to do that or not, or even put yourself in positions where you are successful, but you're not allowing yourself to feel that success or allowing yourself to feel that happiness for finishing something, I think that in just, it's like a, it's a thought loop where you just kind of lose self-esteem as you go. And it kind of leads into this idea of like imposter syndrome yeah. as well. Yeah, and I think... Like, you hit on some really great points, and I think, like, to, like, like, like you said, like, take this external judgments, but rather than making it, like, 75% of your, like, judgment of, or, like, your opinion of yourself, like, make it, like, maybe 10%, um, and make it more internal for you, like, in that, if it was, like, a pie chart, but I think also, like, the negative mindset of, like, who, it's really important that, like, who you surround yourself by, because I realized, like, kind of, like, I, growing up, which is kind of strange, but, like, even, like, now, like, in recent few years, I, like, surrounded myself by people who had a really negative mindset, or they're, like, oh, this sucks, I hate my life because I'm always doing this, or, like, I hate doing this thing, or I hate doing that thing, and it's just, like, that negative mindset really does affect you, like, whether you realize it or not, so, like, just kind of evaluating, like, who you surround yourself by, because that negative mindset can make you start feeling negative, and, like, I know, I remember just feeling, like, just really like demotivated and like dejected just because everybody else around me were just externally showing that feeling and I I I don't know like it I mean it obviously makes sense if you surround yourself by around positive people you're gonna have a good outlook but like I think you should have that good balance where like everybody's just not complaining about something and like you actually like make the best of your situation um because that really does lead into like anxiety or imposter syndrome um, because if you self-doubt in yourself and then that negative mindset just kind of is like a formula for like bad things. And it's, it sucks because that, like you said, like transference is a thing. Like these things are so susceptible to be transferred from one person to the other. And I think like, like not, I don't want to speak for you, but I feel like, I feel like me specifically, like I was always around negative mm-hmm. people for the longest time. And then having that one group of people where I like, you know, found and, they're being positive and they're being there's there's an there's a level of optimism just kind of percolating through the group. I think that does so much for you. So really checking your environment and putting yourself in places where or identifying places where you will feel confident and also identifying places where you won't feel confident and trying to avoid those, I think really is a big thing that 
needs to happen um, if you're trying to look for that confidence and self-worth in yourself. Yeah, I agree. And I think a lot of times, like, just from my, like, observation of being in a South Asian community is a lot of times people tend to put other people down to feel their confidence. And that Mm -hmm. is the negative mindset that I feel like I, I felt like I always grew up in is that comparison not just be- not between family, but like between other people outside of your family. Just like, oh, this person did really well on this. Um, that that was a way that fueled your uh, fueled your motivation. Or if you were the person doing well in something, and someone was using you to put you on a pedestal, that was how people had confidence in them- themselves. So I think just that environment is that's what I like think of when I think of a negative mindset. It's not just like a like a like you, what you see in the movies of a negative mindset, like a toxic relationship. It's not just that. Like even like subtle, like putting yourself up on and over like people's flaws and stuff like that, or like knowing that someone has a weakness, but like that is your strength and not your weakness, and like using that to like feel your confidence is also considered a negative mindset. Yeah, and I think I think that comes from just this idea that, and I don't know if this is a mindset that happens in in the Indian community specifically or just people in general, but. Um, the whole idea that only one person is allowed to be one mm-hmm. thing. Like, not, you know, yeah. like, um, if if one person is interested in music, the other person also can't be interested in music. Like, you know, there's, like, a very, like, if if I'm interested in swimming, you can't be interested in swimming. That's my thing. Find another thing. Exactly. And I think, I think that's such a negative kind of, I don't know, idea that only one person can be one thing in a group and... I think that is a thing that happens in the Indian community specifically, mm-hmm. and I think that's and I think it's used to like kind of put themselves on a on a like I'm unique while putting other people down. Yeah, and and it, I don't know, I don't know if that's an Indian community thing or if that's just like just in general that you know certain people like they just feel like they I I don't know it's a it's a it's a dangerous mindset and I don't appreciate it mm-hmm. all at all. Um, especially in a group. No, yeah, I see what you mean, because, like, I was trying, I'm trying to think back, like, whenever I put myself in a situation where I'm not surrounded by Indians and try to see if I, like, if the situation ever occurred, but I never really felt that, I I mean, so it could be just, like, a South Asian thing, like, it could just be the competitive mindset, like, people who have that competitive mindset, but I feel like it is really prevalent in the South Asian community just because everybody is in the competitive mindset, it's not just, like, a few people in the group. Yeah, I, I think it's like a fear of like if someone else is doing what you're doing, then you have to compete with them and you don't want to deal with that, so then you automatically put yourself above everyone. Exactly. It's like it's like, it's like the fear like, of failure, <laughs> um, but like a hyper version of it. Just because one person is yeah, doing and, it doesn't mean like you're gonna fail. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Like everyone can take a piece of the pie. Like it's not like gonna it's fine. You're you're gonna be fine. <laughs> like I feel like we should be helping each other in that moment, not putting each other down and competing. Or I mean, it's a, it goes with the same like you know how like they say there can only be like you know females in the workplace or whatever. Like they feel like they're like competing against each other and being pitted against each other because there can only be one. It's like nope, that's not right. Yeah. That's not okay. That's not it. And I think that can lead to a lack of confidence, um, which especially in workplace or even in school or like social life and yeah yeah it was really interesting i was reading something and i think I don't, like someone said this we're like the reason why the asian community is not that prevalent in like the entertainment industry in comparison to like the majority is because everybody believes that there's going to be like one type of person or something like that 
where like getting fun yeah like i don't know how to put this in the right place i remember reading that like like instead of just putting each other against like helping each other will make us more than a minority in the specific fields like you'll become you that's how you can stop becoming a minority and kind of even the playing ground and it creates more representation in these like categories too which is necessary across the board just all around the world just in general um especially in america if you really want to get specific Mm -hmm. about it but yeah, I yeah, no, like representation is is necessary and um there's a lack of confidence that happens when we're pitted against other people and told that only one person can achieve great things. Exactly. <laughs> in one specific category, which is a mindset that I think collectively as a community we need to start moving away from. And I think we are starting to move away from it, especially with the pandemic and the 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 slew of like artists and um just designers and just different, just eccentric categories or things that were considered eccentric categories coming out and and being themselves in the last year or so with the extra time in the pandemic, um, mm-hmm. which is good. I think I think we're going, I think we're moving in the right yeah. direction. Um, I, I guess kind of switching into, um, I know we mentioned imposter syndrome a little bit um, earlier when we were answering the last question, but kind of moving kind of similar to that. Um, you know, how can someone identify their imposter syndrome behavior and then translate them into, you know, positive light or attitude of themselves? Yeah. I, so, like, for me, I still feel like I have areas where I am definitely, like, I have imposter syndrome behavior in a lot of areas of my life still, but I'm realizing that, like, just realizing the moments of where you are, like, unconfident in yourself has been a great start, like, a first step just for me. And also, I guess, just, like, Taking in all the small successes that you do, um, like, accept, like, celebrate those um, successes because a lot of times, I don't know, I was taught, like, you have to be humble. So, like, whenever you were successful, just take it quietly. And I'd always see other people, like, celebrating, like, smaller successes. And I, like, it just kind of affected me. I was like, I gotta stay humble. But then I, a lot of times it's, it's good to celebrate your successes. You're celebrating your strengths. And I think, starting to be okay with that is like a really good way of turning in like getting rid of that mindset of like I'm not good enough just because you're acknowledging like it's kind of like saying you're um what you're grateful for and like your positive what is a positive affirmations it's kind of like that but like with things that you like with things that you're successful for and I think also like going back like it's really important to surround yourself with people who want you to grow because I realized that like I realized way too late that many people will be there for your successes and they will cheer you on then. But like when you fail and you're struggling, that's when a lot of people will like step out and be like, I'm going to wait till you're successful again to like support you. So like kind of identifying the people who like are going to be there at your most lowest points is something that will is also be help you in the long run. Just because whenever you do feel like get into that negative mindset of like, I'm not good enough, those people, you, you know, you'll have people to count on to like help you get out of that mindset. Yeah, no, I agree. In terms of like, I guess how to identify, I also had um, um, extreme modesty. That, that was one that you mentioned for sure. Like, like attributing your successes to like, not, not only being extremely modest in that you just like, don't want to talk about your successes and like not appreciate your successes, but also like, like saying that your successes were because of X, Y, Z, not because of you. <clears throat> Because, oh, because I got the opportunity, because this person talked to that person, they helped me, you know, or like, 
you know, because of the specific timing and circumstances, that's the only reason why I got the success. I think that's not great either. I think you have to give yourself some credit. Exactly. I think, I think that's where a lot of, you know, yeah, give yourself some credit. Um, and also, like, I think also the idea of, like, you know, you're, you are your worst critic. Um, I think that happens a lot just in general, especially in, like, the design field where you're looking at your stuff and you're like, this is not comparing to everyone else. This is This is never going to work. Like, this isn't you're all you're faking it you don't know what you're actually doing blah 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 like this this thought loop that you get into just because you're being so critical of your work um like hypercritical of your work um i think just just giving yourself some leeway and being like okay but you're only human like realistically this project would be done you know the real world quote unquote outside of college this stuff will be done by like five or six other people Mm -hmm. so don't don't you know don't hate yourself for it um but also like I think there's also, like, just, like, if you also have, like, a fear that you won't live up to high expectations, if you're always, like, putting yourself, like, oh, like, I want to be, I need to be this perfect person, I need to be, and I think this is somewhat perpetuated by the model minority myth in in the South Asian community specifically, Mm -hmm. um, where you're always, like, told that you have to be the smart one, you have to be the, you have to be perfect, you have to be composed, you have to, you know, you have to be modest when it comes to relationships and dating or, or, you know, finding someone that you like. Like, you have to, you have to be modest about that. And you're told from a very young age to do that. And when you are succeeding in those aspects of your life, because there's such high expectations, you never give yourself credit for what you're doing. Um, and I think that can lead to imposter syndrome. So, yeah. Exactly. I, I think also, like... You hit like that, like that, like we worded it perfectly, and I think that is also in the South Asian. I don't know, just just coming from experience, like is mainly been stressed. I don't know if it's mainly stressed upon just on like girls, because like I just just kind of like yes. mm-hmm. girls. Like if you're a high achieving, like you should be humble. Like that's not right. But like I see many like guys like be very confident in themselves and things that I feel like I don't know, just like a personal experience. I was on a team back in the day, and I helped get like a good award and also like a good 20 30 points in like a game challenge like for our team and a team member of mine he got like five or ten i wanted to celebrate the fact that like my hard work was reaped and like i got an award um but everybody was like kirthi like stop bragging that's just so arrogant but when this guy gets just 10 or mere 10 5 10 points for the team he celebrates his success and everybody else encourages him to celebrate his success and to me, I felt like it was a slap on the face. Like, I felt like I, like, I worked very hard and I wanted to celebrate it, but everybody was telling me that I was being arrogant. Um, whereas he could do the same thing. It wasn't deemed arrogant. And I was just like, I realized that this is a lot of, this is a big issue for South Asian women just because I, I just realized, like, our, like, South Asian women are strong as hell because, like, the, some of the things that I hear of, like, my, like, mom and, like, stuff like that when they had to go through, like, arranged marriages and then expectations of, like, everybody else, like, we're put through so much shit, like, but we're told to just, like, get through it, and, like, just, it'll, like, you just have to get through it, because that's the pain that you signed up for being a South Asian woman, and I think things like that also definitely trigger, like, that imposter syndrome behavior. And it's, yeah, you're right, it does, it stems from very traditional cultural practices that, you know, I'm not gonna say that we should get I think it needs to be shift. The mentality mm-hmm. needs to shift. And the way we conduct ourselves need to shift, both in India and America and just all across the board. Um, 
and it, and it sucks. Like, I, yeah, you're right. Like, you, you know, I talked to my mom and the, the amount of things that she just kind of brushes off. Like, she learned, she's learned, she's been conditioned to brush it off. To just, this is what I should, this is what I signed up for. This is what I should expect. This is, this, these are the, and that this, all these, like, expectations, they create those high expectations to, you know, add to that imposter syndrome. And I think it's perpetuated by, yes, the model minority myth but also Hollywood's representation of Indian people, which is why I take issue with shows like Never Have I Ever, where they, like, literally, I can't name one Indian American character that was depicted in Hollywood that wasn't smart, that wasn't, like, incompetent when it comes to relationships. It's just, it's just a problem. Like, why is that the one represent? Like, I want, when I meet new people, I want my persona to be a blank slate, you know? But it's never going to be a blank slate because we are automatically expected to be really garbage at relationships. I don't know. I guess at the second part of the question, I'll ask you, um, tra- like, how would you how do you think you should translate those you know, insecurities into like a more positive light or attitude? Yeah, I think like what I said before, like, acknowledging your successes is like the biggest thing, because like rather than brushing them off and being like, I have to stay humble, like just kind of realize, like, realize that line of humbleness and like just disregard just because like you can be humble and still celebrate your successes like you can celebrate your successes with yourself you don't have to like show off but like yeah. it's just like just identifying what it means to be humble and then like that boundary like i feel like you you can totally tell when someone is very egotistical and they show off like they're proving to someone else their successes but like celebrating your own success in like to yourself is not being a show-off and i think I think a lot we need to do that a lot more just because I also just like kind of going back to like the South Asian woman like we need to do that a lot more so that um because when you once you gain confidence in yourself you will you will be able to push back and not be kind of like tossed around in this like society's expectations of what you need to do like I don't know and I think that's like I think that's just like the great way to strengthen your confidence and just like like just for example if I was my mom I would be like I have a full-time job and I'm I'm getting I'm a pretty high up in my company. I am able to provide put like provide like cook food for my family, clean my house. I'm able to do so many other things and and like I would acknowledge that as a success. Like I'd be like, "Wow, I can do so many things and juggle so many things and do it well and my kids are doing well." Like I think I think South Asian moms you guys should do that. Like I think just that's a good way of acknowledging your success and being like seeing how like how strong you are yeah no i agree that, that's that was <laughs> i have no other thoughts <laughs> but yeah no you're right like i i was thinking like we really are told to be renaissance women like from a very exactly. young age like, we have to be good at everything apparently i i don't know how or when that idea um entered our brains and is now part of our life but there really is a tendency to like look at South Asian women as you have to be good at everything. That's horrifying. And you're and not appreciated for you it. Don't. It's like an expectation. I think just, yeah, I think just knowing that you don't have to be that. And you, you're allowed to be mediocre at any one of these things. It's okay. Um, I think that idea needs to really be taught. Exactly. It's, it shouldn't just be taught to women. It should, like This might be digressing. It should also be taught to men because like... They're also the yeah, ones no, getting yeah. the expectation or feeding the expectation. Like, I sometimes see, like, 
when some people like expect that their wife has to put food on the table for them like i'm like what like no like this is what is that no like i'm not gonna go any more further into this but like no like you should appreciate their wife is able to go into the kitchen and make food for you while her busy day and her work and stuff like that like i don't know but yeah i think it just it's both way like both groups but that might be a little bit of a digression for another topic yeah it's like it's like a really beautiful mix of like toxic masculinity with like um you know like renaissance men women renaissance women women have to be good at everything but also like imposter syndrome and like this is really beautiful mix of just a conglomeration of things that are very hard to nitpick and and untangle from each other so (laughs) it's very difficult yeah but we're, we're just going to slide on into the next question so we don't open that Pandora's <laughs> box. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Let's leave that alone. I, we'll come back fine. to this in another episode. <laughs> next yeah. episode, you know. <laughs> So I guess, how do past experiences and patterns um, have the potential to hold you back from a healthy rela- relationship? It could be, like, friendships. It could be, like, intimate, like, other, like, it can be, like, any type of relationship. But, like, how do those past experiences and patterns have the potential to hold you back? I think... When it comes to past experiences, I don't necessarily think it's, like, past experiences. I think it's more unresolved past experiences. Mm-hmm. So experiences that you just, you picked up insecurities and self-doubts without re- without even realizing it. But you never really acknowledged those feelings and you never really processed them properly. So you just kind of shoved them to the back of your head into, like, a very, you know, scrubby-looking box. And you're like, oh, I'll just figure that out later. Um, I, and I'll figure that out later. And then, you know, the more you do that, I think it builds up into this unresolved issue that can start affecting your future relationships. Um, but in subtler ways, in subtle self-sabotaging ways where you start not thinking you're good enough to be in this relationship and you're not good enough to sustain something good, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, and I think that's where it starts getting kind of hazy when you leave those boxes untouched for years and you just really just of just refuse to acknowledge they exist or just say keep telling yourself oh I'll open them later I'll open them I'll resolve them later I'll I'll figure it out later I think putting it off procrastinating those those feelings and processing them I think that's what event inevitably leads into very like you kind of self self sabotaging healthy relationships. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with you. The unresolved feelings more imprint on your brain more than like mm-hmm. what you kind of overcame already. And yeah, I agree with everything that you said. Just to kind of add on, I think like I realize like until you have confidence in yourself, no one else will have confidence in you. Is what I've kind of noticed because like even if it's just a little bit of confidence, because yeah. that shows. No one's going to believe in you until you believe in yourself. And I've seen that a lot. Like, even in co-op, like, whenever I, I do something, I'm like, I think this is right. They're going to be like, oh, let's double check what she did because she doesn't seem like she knows what she's doing. Like, no, like, the confidence in yourself, they're going to have be able to trust in you. And I think when you have confidence in yourself to overcome a lot of the problems and, like, experiences that you did in the past that were maybe unresolved, that'll help you from, like, preventing yourself from holding yourself back. And so I think... Just kind of, it's like, you need to learn how to, I think you just need to learn to trust. And I think that's such a hard thing to do if you've been like, if someone has broken your trust and hurt before, which is what leads to like a lot of unresolved feelings. I think it's really hard to gain like that trust. But I think 
you just, it's just like you just gotta take that risk but you have to know who to take that risk with just don't take that risk with anybody because that'll be a very dangerous path but like yeah just make sure like be open to the idea of trusting someone but like like look up to that and make sure that that person earns your like is respected and earned the trust that you want to put in them i think that's also something um because like if not then just know when to put your boundaries because that's a lot of times when I look back at the place times I've gotten hurt in friendships or like in relationships and stuff like that is when I didn't put that boundary or that no or I put my trust in the wrong person. So I think realizing like you have to try again to overcome those unresolved feelings is also something that like you need to do to go back to having a healthy relationship with someone. Yeah. And like also like, you know, if you're if you are someone who's very sensitive to like uh, what other people say, just naturally, it's not. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, you're just very hypersensitive to what other people say, and you have a tendency to overthink and like really look into what other people are saying about you, even if it's an offhanded comment. I think just unloading that garbage out of your head every so often is probably something that should happen on a weekly or even daily basis. Um, so keeping a journal, I know that sounds so cheesy, something that's been preached like way too many times during this pandemic, but like, I don't know, I think that helps a lot just to like unload all the unnecessary garbage in your head mm-hmm. that you really can't, like it's not something that you can openly tell other people or you might not feel comfortable telling other people because they're contradicting thoughts and probably very out of character of you to to voice these things. But I think just unloading is like a good thing. And it's like good thing if for the long term as well. Like I definitely, I think definitely like the, the insecurities and self-doubts that I picked up in, you know, pre-college, even like first year, second year, third year college, whatever. I think I've, I think those insecurities and self-doubts have a tendency or have, um, there, there's a scary thing where they could easily multiply in your head if you leave them unchecked. And if I feel like the the more you leave them like that, the more likely you're gonna slip into scarier things like depression or anxiety or like you know you just gotta you just you have to resolve them as they come, um, and and have that as a practice, something that you do, mm-hmm. not just something you do on it on it when you're at your lowest, but something where you, when you do even when you succeed, you should be continuing doing that. No, I totally agree because it helps you filter out the thoughts that are only in your head which kind of sounds strange, but, like, in your head, but also, like, what actually happened. Like, because sometimes, like, you perceive something in a different way than what actually happened, and, like, journaling helps with that. So I totally agree. Yeah. You gain a certain level of perspective when you write mm-hmm. it down. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> Once it's documented. You know, it might be, it might feel like a big, giant thing in your head, but when you write it down, you're like, huh, okay, mm-hmm. cool, 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 cool. <laughs> <laughs> Not to quote Abed. Community. But, Love yeah, that yeah. dude. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. I guess moving on, I, we touched base on this a little bit, but, you know, setting when it comes to setting boundaries, I think a part of understanding your self-worth is also knowing your limitations and knowing when you need to pull back and be with yourself and away from people. You know, how do you suggest someone sets those boundaries and, you know, find that balance? Um, well, I think there's, like, two things. Like, we've acknowledged it a lot in the past questions, like, yourself and then the people you surround the, the relationships your the external factor and i think for the external factor trust like i kind of said before like trusting in someone is really like helpful like having someone you can trust but also like evaluate how everybody kind of around you like contributes to your mental health and like life and see like how they affect like how they affect you because like they could be giving you that they could be feeling that negative mindset that you always feel like you're in um if 
if you're surrounding yourself by people who are kind of like that. So kind of realize who you're surrounding yourself by and try to see like how you could change that environment to a more positive light. I think that's an external way that you could like how you can kind of set those boundaries or find that balance. But like internally, personally, I tend to like, so I, I tend to think that I'm a high functioning anxiety person where I, like, I overbook myself and tend to like burn out because I sign up for way too many things. And then by the end of everything being done, I'm like, all right, I'm so drained. I need to take a nap for the next 10 years before I like restart again. <laughs> so, right, so right. like, I think in that aspect, what I can speak for is just like, I've been trying to slowly practice saying, like, no, just because, like, that has been such a hard thing for me to say, because when I, like, and finding ways to relax, just because, like, in the past, whenever I relaxed, I was, like, literally while watching TV, in the back of my head, I'm like, man, I'm being so useless, I should be studying right now, or I should be doing this right now, I'm, I'm not being productive, I'm, like, wasting my, like, time, and I think unconditioning yourself in that thought process and just allowing yourself to relax and take those breaks will help you like every once in a while and getting stressed and burnout and prevent that. And I think said those are like internal boundaries, like when to say no to something or like conditioning yourself to relax. I think those are really great ways of putting that balance in yourself of like when don't over sign up and like don't over like overuse your time. You know, I agree. And I think it also is like little like like habit like habitual things. Like if you like especially with the pandemic, like if you only work in one room and you never work anywhere else and you refuse to and you just need to like I think setting the boundaries and being like okay like I think I can work in the kitchen one day I can like changing up your schedule a little bit knowing when to change that schedule and like I don't know like have some break for yourself like cut yourself some slack like you don't have to work in one room in order to like succeed <laughs> like I think just changing your everyday routine a little bit shifting it so that you're giving yourself a little bit more room instead of like suffocating yourself with all these like rules and guidelines that you've set on the other hand if you're not putting enough rules and you're just kind of oh I'll just go out and do this I'll do that and then not really you're struggling to like get things done then on the off on the off side be like no I have to if I need to get stuff done the only place I can work is xyz place and that might motivate you to work faster so setting like rules for yourself, so rules and boundaries for yourself as well, to know, to know when, what is necessary when. I think that's, I mean, I think it's a very trial and error process, yeah, exactly. so it's very difficult to, like, really articulate, like, you know, hard and fast rules on how to do that. Um, I think it's just, about like, really practicing evaluating yourself and your habits and evaluating whether that is meeting your expectations or your self-worth or what your idea of self-worth is. You. like are you contributing to a good way for yourself yeah yeah and it's so personal to everyone so it's it's hard to give advice in something that's just objective or something yeah no i agree it's like yeah it's like hard to give advice because it seems vague but like it is different for everybody's situation we don't know it like, everybody doesn't know each other's situation so yeah exactly yeah yeah but yeah, we're kind of shifting gears into like, so we talked a little bit about like self-worth, self-esteem and confidence, now kind of shifting into like the insecurities aspect of the episode. What are some insecurities that you still have today that kind of affected you or like that you had previously? Um, I think a big one that's been coming up or something that I, I guess I'm actively working to resolve in the last year or so just with the pandemic and the time that we have Um. Like, I always had insecurities about my appearance. I think that's a very common kind of thing. But, um, like, appearance and outfits, like, I always felt like I had to dress modestly. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and I think it's, again, perpetuated by this idea of what an Indian, what Indian American women or Indian women in general should, should be like. Um, there's a tendency to think that, you know, we have to be modest. We have to, you know, we can't, we can only wear a certain number of outfits because we're Indian and we have to look like this. Um, or we're a woman and we have to look like this. Um, and it's very, it's a very like, there are insecurities that I didn't think I had because I always just assumed, oh, it's because of my environment. You know, like the next chapter of my life, I will figure mm -hmm. it out. You know, the next chapter of my life, I'll figure it out and it'll be fine. But I've come to realize that actually, like, I'm just horrified of <laughs> wearing outfits that are not what I deem, like, normal for what Indian American women should look like. And I, it, that's something that I just, I wish I, I wish I had a hard and fast way of learning out of that insecurity, but it's fine. I think, I think it's just like uh, practicing, you know, buying new <laughs> outfits and, and it comes, it, it's weird because that insecurity comes in different forms. <laughs> no, I agree with you. Um, I think more than like subjectifying to like what an Indian woman should look like or an Indian American woman, I think it's all like, it's like, it's kind of like, if you wear these types of clothes, you're this type of person. Like, if you wear yeah. revealing clothes, you're deemed as, like, a hypersexual woman. If you put, like, modest clothes, you seem like a goody two-shoes. Or, like, mm -hmm. if you, like, like if you need to go and do have a corporate look, you, like, you need to look this way. Like, I think those expectations, I agree with you, are, like, they, they like, feel those insecurities. And I agree with you. Like, I feel like every, I think it's, like, every, everyone has a little bit of it, and, like, especially women. I think, like, the beauty standards, like, the Eurocentric beauty standards, especially growing up here, have really morphed uh, how I looked at, look at myself in just terms of, like, looking at myself in terms of body positivity or just looking at myself and, like, accepting, like, these are all, like, normal, like, features and they are beautiful. It's, like, really hard just growing up here because, like, a few examples, Indian girls, yes, we have hair on our arms and our legs, but, like, our counterparts, uh, Caucasian women, don't. Or, like, whenever we see them on, like, which we call it advertisements. They look like they have been waxed clean, like they've been to a wax on, wax off car thing. I don't know. Um, and so, like, you see that as like your beauty standards growing up, like, and just like you automatically don't feel like you fit in, and like, it's just it's hard. And I think in terms of like the Indian expectations of what it's deemed beautiful, like I have really curly hair, and it's like really frizzy at times. Um, and so I remember just growing up and like having to like my, my parents like force me to like try to comb it until it's straight before i leave the house because they're like curly hair is deemed like messy and ugly straight hair is where it's at so kind of having that condition in my brain of like how my hair should be straight like and not curly was also like other like it's just like every like every small detail about myself i felt like was nitpicked in some way shape or form like and that really does get to you and it it does a number after a while yeah and i guess yeah, Sneha and I were talking before this episode, and we've received comments, like, I think receiving comments, like, you're pretty for, like, a goodie, like, like a smart, oh, teen, like, girl, or, like, you know, you're just pretty for an Indian, like, my expectations of an Indian girl, like, that, ugh, I hate those comments so much. It makes no sense to me, like, I, I'm pretty for category, like, it doesn't have to, it doesn't even matter what category it is, if you're saying you're pretty for... I don't know. You're pretty for an Indian person. You're pretty for a nerd. You're pretty for a shy, someone who's shy. That that that's a that does a number on someone. All right. That that stuff like I don't know. They're little offhanded comments that I know shouldn't 
be bothered or maybe we've been conditioned to not have it bother us like oh it's just a joke we're not we're only Mm -hmm. kidding like you know we don't mean anything by it but i think that's so like toxic like that's such a toxic societal issue um or like i guess insecurity that's kind of drilled into our head like oh this is an expectation like if you live in the society you should be expected to be compared like this um, but I don't think it should be. Like, that's ridiculous. Why on earth would you... Like, I think that's such a backhanded Yeah, it's like they look down upon that, you, like, for the way you look. It, yeah, it's a very, like, condescending... Like, it does a lot of things that just messes with your confidence for such a long time. And I don't think... And it sucks because, you know, the person who probably dished this out probably didn't think twice about it, mm-hmm. you know? Like, they're not sitting around thinking about, oh, did I hurt their feelings? No, 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 no. It's going to affect the person who got and received it and i i think stuff like that like little like microaggressions like that need to really it, it needs to stop yeah. <laughs> or at least like you know be kept account accountable for like you know it's it's i don't know just keeping your keeping your friends accountable for shit like that because that's that's not great that's not good at all but yeah okay so moving on to the the next question <laughs> but <laughs> in so so because we talked about insecurities and some of the insecurities we have, which we really did focus on body image specifically, but in your opinion, how should people go about, you know, overcoming these insecurities? Any tips or tricks? Um, well, I feel like I'm still in the process of kind of, like, accepting or, like, going through these insecurities and more, I guess, overcoming them. Um, but, I mean, in terms of, like, beauty standards, I think, like, what we talked about before, just cutting it, like, right there and acknowledging, like, hey, like, this person is, is like, it's, like, it's not it's not a genuine comment it's more of an insult and stopping them right there is like a good way of like doing that and then just accepting like all parts of you it's beautiful as cheesy as that sounds um is something that like you need to do it's kind of like accepting your successes like yeah except this is the body that you're given and you're beautiful because like it's a natural body it's not like you're like going somewhere and getting plastic surgery to get it done which is majority of like what is seen on representation in media like, it's your natural body, and you should love it. But in terms of, outside of that, like, like self-esteem of, like, am I smart enough? Am I good enough? And things like those types of insecurities. Um, I think finding a support system that supports you, like, in a positive manner. Not, like, in a positive way that they're always positive and encouraging you, but, like, supporting you even when you're really down is something that is really helpful in overcoming insecurities, because they can point out things like, hey, you think this is, like, a flaw for yourself, but I think it's something that makes you unique. And I think that's something that you should shine more in your personality or in your um in yourself because i really like that thought about you like that type of people encouraging you in that way is really helpful in overcoming those insecurities because a lot of times it is like what we mentioned before like that negative impression that you put on yourself so sometimes you do need someone to take you out of that darkness to like let you know like hey it's just you that's thinking this and you're pretty great um and i think it might be silly but i really think music does help in that aspect like I really love listening to music, and Seha knows this, and I'm a really huge BTS fan and have been for, like, OG 2015, like, long time. And the reason why I really like them for so long is just that, like, in their music, they reflect on themselves about how they, like, didn't like certain parts of them or, like, the darkness in themselves and how they, like, are continually try to loving themselves. So seeing, like, that external, someone else reflecting on themselves that you kind of admire and, like, seeing that they also have, like, flaws and struggles and how they're trying to overcome it can also inspire, not inspire you, but, like, help you find your ways to do that in yourself. No, I agree. I, everything you said, no, that's exactly what 
that's exactly what I had in mind there. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, like really just finding your people and, and knowing when the people around you aren't your people, I think is also a skill that needs to be developed. Yeah. Like you could, um, you know, you could be in a friend group or I, I'm not saying any particular friend group, but like, you know, just in general, if you're around surrounding yourself with a group of people that are not making you feel comfortable or you are finding yourself hiding bits of yourself or like, you know, appeasing them in any sort of way that goes against your values, then you should, it's, it's horrifying, but you should either A, talk to them about it openly and try to set those boundaries for yourself, or B, you know, if nothing's changing, then resort to, you know, walking away. Because I think that, I think there's, there's a, I guess a judgment behind walking mm-hmm. away, because I feel like people perceive that as cowardly or not fighting or but I think in some I don't think that's true I think in certain situations like I think walking away is stronger than staying and fighting for something that is never going to change and in turn hurting yourself in the process and trying to convince people that don't want to be convinced exactly yeah your time is Um, money yes yeah, so, like, part of overcoming those insecurities could just be walking away and taking some time for yourself, or even taking a break, just in general, and just being with yourself for a little bit, um, and also not judging yourself. I think there's a lot of, there's also a tendency to, like, you know, hor- like, quote-unquote horrible thoughts enter your brain that are, that go against your, quote-unquote, persona or what you put out there, and I think there's a tendency to immediately dismiss those thoughts instead of giving them consideration, mm-hmm. Um, and I think you should be able to openly not judge, like everyone else is already judging you just inherently because that's a human thing. So why would you do that to yourself? Don't judge your own thoughts. That's like adding an an extra level of pressure on yourself. Yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, just like, uh, just acknowledging those thoughts and also being okay with them, living with it can help, you know, overcome those insecurities in the long run. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was good. Well said. Um, but as we kind of wrap this episode, um, we have one last question that Sneha and I are both going to ask, uh, an- uh, answer, and I hope you can also reflect on this as well, listeners, because it's a really, it's, it was a deep question. Sneha and I were like, oof, this is going to take us a while when we were prepping, <laughs> when we were prepping for this um, episode. Um, but how can you find the path towards loving yourself fully, your strengths and your flaws? I think it's just, again, like I said, like just working to change your outlook. Um, you can't control, like we've said this over mm-hmm. and over again in some of our episodes, you can't change what other people think of you, but you can't change how you perceive it and how you, you know, um, how you perceive it and how you think and all that stuff. So just changing your, working to change your outlook, which is easier said than done, I think. Um, and understanding your environment as well. And also just don't judge yourself, you know, don't judge yourself and what you do. Um, or what you think you should be doing just just evaluate according to you um and don't let other people like i guess try to have a say in something that they should have no say Mm -hmm. in you know yeah and just kind of add on like just understand that everyone has insecurities and flaws like no one's perfect because a lot of times you put everybody else like oh they're doing so well like on a higher like level than we and sometimes that can also get to you and like seeing like your insecurities and flaws might not be uh, they're, they're they're way too big in comparison to your strengths so just kind of understand that everybody has like everybody has an issue or something that they have kind of worry about so like 
Just self-love is really hard to practice, but the self-love, I feel like, is what Priya said in our episode of, like, opening up about like, personal relationships and boundaries. Like, what she said of, like, self-love being, like, is being vulnerable in your own skin is a really good practice that will help you accept your strengths and flaws. And ideally, self-acceptance will give you a stronger sense of confidence in the long run just because you're accepting everything about you and not just your strengths. So you're, you, that'll help you gain that self-love of being comfortable in your own skin. And yeah, like being comfortable in your own skin will allow you to understand your strengths and flaws. And like, it's more of a growing mindset than like a, a accomplishment mindset, which will take you in the long run. Thanks for listening to this episode of Larger Than Us. We hope you enjoyed hearing our conversation today. So go check us out on Instagram at redefiningabcd and feel free to let us know your thoughts about this episode. And as always, stay safe, stay happy, and we'll see you all in the next one.